I'm Viren Garrahi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? But there's no point, as anyone who is married and has children who will be listening to this, there's no point to having the day to go drinking unless you have the following day to feel sorry for yourself. Okay. Absolutely. So, in all fairness, there's only one thing on the menu when I'm sick and hungover, and that is big, dirty American buffalo chicken wings. So, there are two things that will take me out of that. Laughter is one of them. You took that off the table. So, on the table, instead of laughter, we have buffalo chicken wings. He needs no introduction. Dio Shea is my guest this week. He talks to me about setting his mom's clothesline on fire, literally running away with the circus and living each moment as if it's his last. And so I'm going to take a leaf out of Dai's book and use this very moment to do a shameless plug for the new season of my comedy series, The Theron Project. Season three is on RTE Player now. It came out on Monday. If you haven't seen it yet, I would love you to head over to RTE Player and give it a watch. Dai O'Shea is one of the characters I have done an impression of from the get-go. When the show was a pilot, Dahi was one of the characters. He has always been such a good sport. And so I thought, what better person to chat to this week than the man himself? This season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by Aussie Hair. And throughout filming The Theron Project, my hair was torn asunder with wigs and gels and beards when I was playing Dahi. And I had to mind it between takes. Every night I'd have to come home, do a little mask. And I did that with their three-minute miracle. The SOS range was the one I really heavily relied on. It was just so fabulous I went to bed every night as if I had not had any wigs or any gel or any sprays or tugging and dragging it with brushes and whatnot. so if you're having a bit of a hair mare check out their SOS Kiss of Life range the shampoo the conditioner and the 3 Minute Miracle I love them all equally and now for my chat with Dahi O'Shea I hope you enjoy Dahi O'Shea you are very welcome to the laughs of your life Listen, it's I've finally been invited. Not long have you been taking me off for years, sitting next to me at all these fancy social suppers we go to, right? Like the VIP awards, and where you're kind of not you don't even talk to me, you're in my head, right? I can feel you kind of do that scratchy feeling you get. That's you inside my head, getting all the getting my accent and everything. And then you come on my the today show with me, and I'm so nice to you. And then you want to grill me. You want to grill me? Okay, let's go. Let's dance. Okay, the music's on now, uh, young Gary. Let's go for it. Okay, toe to toe. Will you face me, huh? <laughs> let's dance. I actually always feel so bad when I'm a guest on the Today Show. And you're so <laughs> nice to me, always. And I'm like, just actually be mean to me. Uh, there, there's no bigger compliment uh, <laughs> than to have you, Mario, and uh, Oliver Callan, and a few more taking me off. Believe me, honest to God, like, there is no... There is no, there, there is no prize. There is no Oscar. There is nothing as good as somebody taking you off. Ah, uh, look at I. No, my favorite is when I do it, and um, and you know you're tagged on Instagram, and you reply and say, "She's you've me disgraced again." Oh, she is disgraced. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I wake up in the morning there, and I but the phone, the phone is full. Yeah, Gary's at it again there now. <laughs> yeah, fair play. She wouldn't leave me alone. She wouldn't even let me have a mug of tea. No, not a mug of tea will I get, and she's on to me. <laughs> You are, you're actually one of the, of the originals. Cause when I, <laughs> when I first started doing um, the Theron project, so I, I did a pilot first, which was just like a 10 minute episode. Yeah. 
And that's when I started doing you. And I actually, like, I started with a beard and I, I still yeah. do the beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would it, okay, are you asking me to grow a beard? Go on. Okay, do no a lockdown problem. beard. Do, do, you know, do you know the thing about the beard wasn't the reason why I, I liked the beard, right? But the, the beard became a, a pain in the behind because I had to dye the beard, you see, just to stay kind of young and relevant, right? Right. So okay. just from then, I'd kind of go full on dark, like other RTE presenters that we won't mention, right? And, uh, and then I said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to leave it go. And then I looked cat. Officially, the term cat. So I, I just stopped it. I shaved. I actually, I shaved it off for charity, which is for a good reason to do. But I think I'll get it back. I think I'll get it back. I think you look younger without actually dying. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what lots of people say. But, you know, I'm, I don't know whether I'm trying to appeal and be cool to the young people or kind of, kind of appeal to the people who watch the Today Show who are in their 90s. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, look, at, we're here to do one thing, and that's talk about yeah. the laughs of your life. So you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Okay, Dioche, your first memory of laughter. Yeah, do you know, uh, we had a great old childhood growing up. We were out the country, and really it was kind of bogged to the back door and to the front door. There was nothing special at all about it. Like there was like no Xboxes, no roadblocks, none of the stuff they have these days. It was a football and or out the door, you know. So, but I remember years ago, my grandfather had a donkey, a female donkey, and once a year the donkey would come into heat, right? So then, strange enough, you had this kind of pack of roaming stray donkeys probably all male I'd imagine uh, and would get the scent from the road like and all of a sudden come down so like we but we thought this was great fun because we were only around six or seven or eight maybe and we should be riding these uh, stray donkeys up and down the road and we should jump off the ditch and onto the back of the donkey you'd go for it. there was no kind of bit or nothing be holding on for dear life you know and uh, I don't know I have an older cousin Tommy Shea he's about two or three years older than me and he was going for this bigger donkey and I said yes Tommy I don't know about that now lad you know that you, you that donkey might take you down you know I'll do it Tommy no bother at all but what Tommy didn't realise that it wasn't a donkey at all it was a mule right and this right still to this day I'm 44 years of age is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life Tommy jumped from the from the ditch onto the back of the mule the mule went buckaroo right and shot Tommy halfway into the field right <laughs> And it's one, of, it's one of these things, like, if you didn't see it, you wouldn't have believed it. It was just like some, somebody hit the, hit the ejector button, right? The ejector seat on the mule and shot Tommy right into the field. <laughs> Poor Tommy was almost killed, right? So, Jesus! There was about four of us, right? We were on the floor laughing. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. Poor Tommy coming over. I think he broke his shoulder or something. But that was totally beside the point altogether. Like, but uh, at, at around the same time that I remembered, because when I was thinking about these questions, I was, okay, what should I do? And then I remember my father fell off the roof when, when, we, were, when we were very, very young. Now, this is very serious, right? So I remember it was a kind of a wet day. And I said, what's dad doing on the roof? Oh, geez, there's dad in the ground. Right. But my father's head actually got stuck into the ground. Right. But it had, been, it had been raining. Right. For about a month before. So the ground was very, very soft. Now, if the ground hadn't been soft, my father was stone dead like. But uh, I'll never forget going, oh, geez, that's gas, Dad. There's Dad's arse up in the air. Marianne calling my sister, Marianne, come over here. Look at Dad. What an idiot, right? So we were breaking around behind laughing. Poor old Dad had to get up. He had to shake himself. He had to go drink two half ones to come around. So there's some, <laughs> there's some of the earlier kind of memories of, of, uh, of laughing. But like we, 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 we had a great life growing up at Durham, to be honest. It was all kind of like we were out the country. During the summer, we, we used to go to Cayleys. Lots of people coming to learn Irish. Of course, they were learning Irish. We were trying to learn other things. Like, And uh, we just we just had a great old upbringing. It was very, very simple. And like I have a young fellow now, he's seven, and you're, kind of, you're trying to explain to him yeah. what it was like. And sure, it's worlds apart. Absolutely worlds apart. And you wonder, like, you know the way things are gone now with health and safety and 
sick and all that stuff. Like my the stories my dad has as well, like that, just like doing anything you wanted. Like yeah. he, used to, he said they used to go like there's, there's a big like massive part of the Cliffs of Moher that kind of gradually <laughs> go down and they used to go down to the yeah. bottom. Like if it happened now, yeah. like it would just be, but he was like, it is, they are the best memories. They're they certainly the best memories, but like, but I look at the young fellow now going, oh geez, I don't know about that now. So I'm kind of getting, I'm the kind of wuss in all this now. And I'm thinking, no, just, just leave him off. Cause I remember being back in Valley David, uh, during the summer and you'd go back to the end of the pier no more than people in the West Clare as well jumping into the ocean and we used to swim out to one of the boats up onto the top of the wheelhouse and jump off into the water Lord God Almighty I wouldn't even dream about doing it now and if I saw the young fella doing it oh geez, I'd be calling him in so and but I think every generation is like that but you know we were we, we were lucky because our parents had the clue of half the things we were up to and you know what I'm not too like you can't say that I, I sound like a really irresponsible parent by saying I don't really want to know what he's doing all the time yeah because you don't need to you don't really need obviously you want to keep him safe and everything but like if he's doing something you kind of have to leave him off you know they have to learn how to do it sometime so you were is it the second youngest of five no the second yeah the second youngest of five yeah the second youngest of five so we had a busy old house like my eldest brother and sister kevin danny and deirdre they were the first half of the family then the seven years between danny and myself and marianne my sister that we're the two younger ones so by the time like when I was at, say, 13, Danny went off to America. So the rest, they, they, they all had gone. My brother Kevin went to college. My sister Deirdre went to America. Danny went to America. So like it was only Marianne and myself and mom and dad at home most of the time. I, I barely kind of, I barely remember Kevin even being there because he went off to college when I was 10. So, and then my sister Deirdre went off to America around the same time as well. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a nice quiet house really. And I, I'd, I'd imagine like say, like my father worked all the time. My mother was home with us and then, when we went into secondary school, my mother went out working as well. Okay. The, to talking about secondary school. Yeah. The first time you felt laughed at. Yeah, the first time I felt laughed at, of course, like I was kind of, I would, I was never a macho fella. In my own head, I was, but when it came to the thing that I wasn't really, right? And like, again, like say, it was a simpler time. Like say, if you got the shift that time, that was a big thing. Like, you know, geez, if you saw a pair of boobs, like, I, I don't I don't I really don't know how you describe them to another person because first of all nobody'd believe you because it wasn't really the, the thing, like you know what I mean, honestly. So then like and then when like I said the dynamic between say teenage boys and girls that time was a lot different as well. Like, but I remember one time see like people listening to this who have seen uh, Crocodile Dundee will get exactly Sorry, I thought you were gonna say who have seen a pair of boobs. Go on. If you are lucky enough to have seen a pair of boobs and Crocodile Dundee, you will definitely get where I'm coming from here, right? But uh, I, Crocodile Dundee, the movie, probably came out sometimes, something in the, sometime in the mid-80s or something. But there's a part in it, right, where he has the American reporter who he eventually goes off it, right? And they're, they're, they're in the bush and they're in their big van or whatever. Next second, this big kind of bull kind of type thing is in the middle of the road, like, you know. So he kind of goes, you know, this thing where he has a small finger out and the thumb and he's kind of... And he, re he wrestles... He wrestles this bull to the ground. It's not a bull. It's a kind of a bullish kind of animal, right? And all like this big thing falls down and she's like, oh my God, this is unreal, right? So we were hanging out one afternoon anyway, right? And there was a bull inside the field. I said, I'll show you how to do the bull. Thinking I was Mick Dundee from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was this one there that I was trying to impress as well. So I said, watch this doll. This is how you do it. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ. In we go into the field of four of us anyway. Thinking I was Mick Dundee from Australia with the, with the small <laughs> finger out. And the thumb as well. Going, hmm. I said, Jesus, this bull isn't moving at all. But I think I'm pissing the bull off, right? 
<laughs> so the bull, the bull starts, got the, the front leg starts going. I said, geez, I'm out here, right? So, so <laughs> I took off. We all took off, except for the one that I was trying to impress stood there. It was yes. almost trampled by the bull, right? No! So anyway, uh, I thought it was kind of funny. And then everyone just kind of realised, oh, my God, you're some pleb. <laughs> the word pleb was actually used, right? And I was, they were all kind of laughing. And I said, that's what we're doing. I said, well, your man did it on the movie. Like, I thought I could do it as well. So there was more than me to try to impress him. I actually believed this, like, I actually believed that I had the power to actually ah, take a bull that. down. Yeah, it was probably around 14 or 15 at the time. And I, I remember going away going, geez, you're some idiot. But did you get the shift in the end? <sighs> I did. And that was it, though. <laughs> <laughs> So, but it was like, geez, lads. I, I remember walking away going, oh my God, almighty man, they were just laughing at you. I said, you like, say, please. I, then I was kind of, there was no phones at that time to text someone to go, lads, just keep that to yourselves, will you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So then you walk into school in the morning and you have this kind of this paranoia sets in going, and why is he looking at me now? Like, and is he doing the Mick Dundee thing? Does he know what I'm after doing? And uh, I was like, oh my God, I was, I, I was just so happy. Do you know when you get to the end of a day and then you go, you come to the end of the week going, oh my God, that's, a, that's forgotten about now. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I was, I was laughed at. And, uh, but I prob- probably rightly so. I almost got somebody killed. What, what were you like in secondary school? I imagine you had a sort of a charisma about you. Do, do you know, secondary school was a funny place for me because I didn't want to be there. Did you not? I didn't want to do my leaving cert. I didn't. I I was like, I was like a kind of a peacock inside in a, inside in a cage. I didn't want to be there. Um, I was always in a rush to grow up. Were you? Yeah, I was working uh, as in a butcher counter since I was thirteen, and I was kind of hanging out with people who were going for pints and stuff like that. And I was saying, I just want to be grown up. I don't want to be in school. So, I didn't really. I first first year was kind of all right. Second and third, I didn't want to be there. Fifth year then was kind of, uh, and then I kind of copped on and said, okay. Say, I think people maybe five years before me, maybe eighty percent of them would have. Uh, gone on immigration and very few to college and then five years after the year I did my leaving cert it was the other way around 80% probably when so it was that kind of twilight zone yeah. twilight era when we didn't know what was happening where we didn't really value education as much as, as we should so I was an awkward enough old fellow going to school I was suspended twice just told ah, I think I told someone to you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. I was tired of it. Like I was just, I, I, I just said I was, I was an easygoing fella. I was never in a fight in my life, Darren. I never punched someone, anyone ever in my life. I'm just not that kind of fella. Not, yeah. not interested in it. But if you keep pushing the button, eventually I will tell you to, you know, yeah. And um, so there was a bit of that in it, and uh, it was, it was a kind of a misdemeanor thing. I was just told to go home, like you know. But um, yeah, and uh, this is probably brings us on to where I, if I didn't laugh, if I didn't cry, I'd laugh. Hang on, Okay. Ourselves. okay. So you, you sorry. Did, you did the leaving cert anyway. In the end, I did. I did the leave. I got seven hundred points in the leaving cert. Then this is the thing. What? I got seven hundred points in the leaving cert. Stop it, die. Yeah, I did it twice though, but I, <laughs> I got four hundred the first time. I got, but I did get seven hundred points in the leaving cert. This is the thing. So, like, I, I, I was. I remember in fifth year going, okay, and my mother saying, look, just do the leaving cert, and I'm saying, all right, I'll do it, and then I kind of said, you know what? I'm not too bad at it. I was always kind of clever enough, but I never yeah. really pushed myself. And I, it's kind of like I needed a kind of a teacher, right, to throw the hand around me and say, Doyle, do you know what? Actually, you're kind of actually good at this now. Yeah. 
you're a bit, you, you, and just to kind of guide me. That kind of happened probably in fifth and sixth year where, where I had one or two teachers said, you know what, I might fuck it. You know, you, you're all right at this now and where you go and do, make something of yourself. So, and then when I, when I went teaching, I kind of did that to a few people for, uh, for a while when I was teaching as well. Like I saw people, I recognized myself and people yeah. As opposed to, there's no point of shouting at everyone. One or two needs to be pulled to the side. And that's all I kind of needed. So I did the leaving cert and then I went back and I repeated the leaving cert uh, as well, just to kind of drive it home. But I was I was happy then. And then I was kind of saying, why didn't I do this in first and second and third year? But I was too, yeah. and I was too busy trying to be the smart aleck or try to grow up or try to be older than what I was. Like, which it's easy to say that now looking back at the time, that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And so college then? College, I went to Mary I. And, now, uh, does this bring us on to the moment if you didn't laugh, you cry? No, I was still in school for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, we'll go I back. Was, so, okay. The See, moment if you didn't laugh, you cry. Yeah. Or if I cry, I, 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 I was going to laugh. So anyway, I was asked to, to leave school. As I mentioned, I was suspended from school. But I did, again, there wasn't, like I said, we didn't have a phone in the house until we were in our teens. Like, so at this stage, there was the only way of communicating that time was by letter. So... There's a garage next door that we had kind of, you know, the corrugated iron. That's just you know, the kind of squiggly thing. Now, yeah. this was a, my father put up a felt one of them. So that had to be taken down. So I said to my father, I said, look, dad, I'll I'll help you with that now, because that's a tough old job, you know, knowing that the postman comes around half two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So I said on the ball here. So I was up on top. Anyway, so I said, it's either Thursday or Friday because I was back to school on Monday. If the letter doesn't come Thursday or Friday, I'm screwed. So Thursday was there anyway, where, where we we're from. The, the main road is up in front, which you could see. You can see the posters are lovely. I have this now. So down the Thursday, no letter home. I said, crap. So at the same time then, so um, this is the time uh, when environmental issues weren't at its highest in West Kerry, shall I say. Yeah. And I was burning this felt down the back of the garden, right? <laughs> very near my mother's clothesline okay so i was up on the thing i was up anyway taking off the felt doing loads of work burning this thing at the back so anyway uh whatever way i turned around there was my father talking to the postman no and i went fuck (laughs) and then i looked to my right and i saw my mother's clothesline in fire i said fuck The same second. If you were shooting this for a movie, then you would have people there with timers, right? To make, okay, the postman's there, set the fire in the back, right? And I'll never forget it. I was there, I went pale and I got the blood, a blood rush back to my face again when I saw the fire. My mother's clothes all up in flames in the back garden. My father on flames when he opened the letter from the school, like, you know. And I tell you one thing, lads, if. If I didn't laugh, I was just going to cry at that oh, point. And you know what? At, at the end, it kind of flipped around where I just kind of started laughing. It was just so serious that I just had to start laughing. But again. I cannot yeah. imagine the rat <laughs> of an Irish mother with her clothesline. What was your mom like? Was she kind of cool, calm, collected or no? <laughs> Funnily enough, my father probably was really, even though he was the authoritarian inside the house, a bit like myself, like, but he was the kind of softy behind it all. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. And... Uh, 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 yeah, I, I, it was just one of those. It wasn't even a day in time. It was a moment in time where you're going, Jesus. Like for, like say, if, again, for a 16 year old, this is this yeah. is the biggest thing in the world. Like you know, and but like I remember they just gave out to it. I said, I kind of, this is what happened. Your man was 
driving me mad. I just told him to shh, up yours, you know what I mean? And sure, what could they say? Like, what do you know what I mean? I, w- I was a 16 year old fellow who at that time probably wasn't going to do his leaving cert. So they weren't really that worried about me anyway. Okay. And uh, but yeah, that, that that moment kind of stays with me still. Like, love it. Love yeah. It. Okay. Dahi, yeah. your no laughing matter moment in life. Yeah. Um, I've had a few, I suppose, really. And even though I'd have this persona that I'm happy all the time, and I am genuinely happy a lot of the time. Uh, it takes a lot to get me down. It takes a lot to kind of take the legs from under me. But uh, I had a very good friend, uh, Adrian Begley, who passed away around eight years ago. And uh, we were in primary school together. We were in the same class. And even though we were friends in primary and secondary school, it was only, I suppose, when we finished college and after we became real friends uh, we had a great kind of uh, connection in horse racing we both really really liked horse racing and uh, for lots of people now when I got a job on the TV like geez they were geez he, he, I, I was in school with that fella like you know yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Ne- that never bothered Adrian at all Adrian was happy I was on TV because we got to go horse racing all the time for free right yeah, and, yeah. We, and we'd be on the table with the likes of yourself no and, and all the gang and sure he'd be like he'd like he'd hold court like and he was one of those fellas where you could bring him anywhere you could put him into any uh, situation you could put him on any table uh, at the VIP style awards or at the Punchestown races and he'd get on with everyone and he was that kind of guy and uh, he died of pa- pancreatic cancer it'll be eight years uh, this coming some this coming Christmas but I suppose the year before he he died we we all became really close in one sense because kind of four of us got married uh, with those four weddings his brother got married first in, in October then another guy uh, from the village got married did in April actually I got married in July and he got married in September so there was all that going on as well and like it was even though I look back it would like say we we were racing one day we were at the we were at the um was it the Gold Cup, one of those? And anyway, Pat, Pat Smullen, who sadly passed away since as well, was up. He was the tipster for the day, right? And it was coming to the last race and there was around 28 horses in the race. So they'd usually pay four or five places. So Pat gave this tip of uh, a horse that was around 25 to one, right? So we went up anyway. So we put 50 euro each on, on the horse, right? But we went up to the ring. This is no word of lying. Adrian's father still doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm making this up. But as sure as Adrian's looking down on us today, this happened, right? We went up to the ring and the horses were walking around the ring. And the horse was about two hands bigger than every other horse. And there was a shine off the horse. I said, geez, I didn't look at that. That horse boy is, is, is glowing like. And it was like, and just as a genuine, this is two serious punters now. Do you know what I mean? But as the horse walked past us, right, the horse swung the head around and winked at us. I, I, I swear to God, right? And we got so excited and flustered. Did you, did you see what that horse winked at us? Well, we ran down to the bookies again, right? No, he may or may not have pushed an elderly person out of the way. No, he didn't. But he zoomed past somebody so fast, right? And we lamped the horse again, the two of us, right? And I'll never forget driving into Dublin that, that evening again, and the boat was roaring, laughing. Two, the horse didn't even finish the race, like... <laughs> The, the horse didn't finish the race. And uh, do you know what? We we got so much of a laugh out of it because the way it started getting a kind of a tip and then got up and seeing the horse and the horse actually winking at us. Lads, we roared laughing all night long off the back of it. And like say, and it's like eight years later, you're looking back at those stories. But at the time, it was, it was, it was just so sad. He was just, he was, he'd be going out with... Uh, his wife at the time for, for a long time before and we just had such a great time at the at, at all of our weddings and uh, just to lose and then and funnily enough like the night before, he'd been sick for a long time so in one sense we were expecting it towards the end and 
I had a dream that I was talking to him and he was in behind a dark wall. And I got a text the following morning from his brother saying that he'd passed away. So it was just like he was buried on New Year's Day and it was just our New Year's Eve. And it was just a very, very strange time. And uh, the fact that we had so much fun together really makes it a lot easier years later. He was a right rogue, like a right rogue. Like he was oh. a fellow, he was caught salmon fishing, right? And he left the court in Dingle and sure, taken off the shirt and tied out in the boat again. That type of stuff, <laughs> you know? And like, and, but but like say, whatever salmon he'd get, like he he never sold them. He'd, he'd give them to his neighbours and he'd land down to my mother with half of one and she'd wake up in the morning. What's that a tail of juice today? I don't give me that. They'd be a tail. So I wouldn't have the salmon put into the freezer properly or anything. We'd be drinking porter, you know? And uh, we'd like, we, like uh, we, we, we have such fond memories. I, I have a picture of him here inside in the, in, in the office as well, the two of us. And ah, it was just a very, very strange, very kind of weird and awkward and kind of so, uh, so sad how old, time. So how old was he when he passed? So uh, probably around 36, 36, yeah. We're, yeah, he, I'm probably, I was probably about two months older than him. So it was very, very sad. And like, I'd often, like say, I'm still great friends with his brother. We'd often speak and we, we'd, we'd go horse racing together. And we'd always remember him. Like we'd always remember, he was always up to something, always up to some, up, up to some messing, you know. Does that kind of thing make you go, good God, live every moment? Oh, Every second of it, every second of it, like, and uh, and I suppose particularly during in the last year as well, things have been very, very strange for everyone. Like people have lost people; they can't grieve properly. You can't go to people's funerals. Like, say, even kind of shaking hands with someone at a funeral means a lot to other people. Yeah. Like, and so yeah, that that would really put things into perspective, and you have to enjoy life as well. And I think if you took some of Adrian's uh, mantra, like, I believe you'd walk around with a with a light step most of the time you seem to be someone though who very much lives life to the full even I like when I was doing a bit of research earlier on the amount of different jobs you've had yeah I've had a few but again like I was never afraid I was never afraid to try something new and these jobs kind of fell into my lap in one sense I started off as a butcher and then I went off to America uh, after doing the first leaving cert and uh, my brother Danny was over there and I got a job as a bouncer in a, in a nightclub in Chicago. And like I was there, sorry, have you got ID? Sorry, you're not 21. I was only 18, right? You're, you're not 21. You're not coming in here. Away you go. And then how's it going the line from Wexford? Oh yeah, you're grand. You're grand. Come on. Come on. Aid your come like, you know. So yeah, and then I was, uh, I was, I was with the circus for a while. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's called RTE. Uh, <laughs> ah, very good, very good. Uh, I, I got a call one time from it was an Irish language uh, organization, and they they were they wanted to get kind of people speaking Irish outside of Girls College, which was fantastic. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things where everybody benefited benefited from it. Where and then they, they contacted Duffy Circus and they said, "For shaft on the Gaelic one year, would you would, would you like to do a circus or Scotland?" So they said they would. So they called me, would you do it? I said, well, I've never done a circus before. He said, there's no problem at all. You'll be dressed there. Your man will be next to you. So I was there. David Duffy was next to me saying things in English and I was translating in Irish, right? So it was supposed, this was in Mullingar the first day. So I said, this is brilliant. Once off. So then we got a call the following week or the week before the gig was happening saying, could you do it the two days after there as well? Because they're booked out. I said, geez, yeah, 100%. Let's go, let's go for it. So to make a long story short, I was probably doing maybe around 10 or 12 or 15 shows a year with Duffy's Circus going to different places and they were all booked out where I was speaking Irish and all the kids were speaking back to me it was unbelievable so yeah it it, it was really one of those this is good for everyone yes you did like say and like say I was the only one speaking Irish the clown didn't speak anyone then all the different acts 
there, there's no language involved in that. Like, so it was just one of these really, really weird things. Yeah, I was on the road with the circus, and like I'm still friends with with the Duffy. So if I was Are driving you? around, and if I saw if I saw them pulled in, I'd pull in for a cup of tea. Like, Would no, you? yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a great time. Very, very interesting. Like, what other jobs then? Obviously, the teaching. I was teaching for a while. When, like, I say when I did finally realize that I that school wasn't the worst place in the world. Or sorry, after hating school for so long, I decided to go back there and try to make a career out of it. So as part of Mary Island, the, the co-op year, which is our third year, I went to um, I went teaching in Dingle for the year and then I did fourth year and then went off. And then I was supposed to go off and do a H-dip. So the first year I didn't uh, get it. The second year I was late putting in for it. I got it the third year then, but I was sub-teaching at the same time. But I started working TG Carr in September 99 as well at the weekends. So... Um, I got a I got a call from Queen's University in Belfast and Manute the same week saying that I did they wanted to offer me the HDIP course. And the same week I got a job in TG Car, a full-time job in TG Car. So I, I remember my mother saying, What are you doing? What are you at? Like you're giving up a teaching, like you teacher. I said, I know, Mom, but I'm gonna chance this for a while and we'll see where it'll go. Sure, I haven't worked a day since then. <laughs> I love it. I haven't really worked a day since, you know. Oh my God. Do you feel like you were born to do it now? Like, like obviously. You know, you had all those other things going on, like, but when you when you kind of fell into this, not that you fell into it, obviously, you were obviously all, always working towards it in a way. But do you feel like you, you couldn't do anything else now? Um, I, I suppose I'm at it so long. <laughs> yeah. But um, like, I never thought ever I'd be on TV. I never went to school thinking oh, I could be on TV. It wasn't a, it wasn't a job option. It's kind of a job option. No, it wasn't really there. Like I was going, I was going to become a teacher, and I was very, very happy to become a teacher. And while I was teaching, I really, really enjoyed it. I had great fun teaching. And then this other, like I was, I was on TG Carr at the weekends to make money, to, yeah. because when you start out teaching, as as lots of people who listen to this show, they're, and their teachers, they'll tell you, yeah, you needed a second job when you're starting out teaching. So that's what it was. And all of a sudden, I got a full time job, and I'm thinking, yeah, like I, I chanced this, and I was very, very lucky. Then I was like, it's like everything in life, you need people to. Take a chance on you. You need people to take a punt on you. Yeah. Like you could be the best presenter in the world, but if no one takes a chance on you, nobody will ever know. And like, so th there were people in TG Carroll who took a chance on me. And then, like, I never, like, I still doubt myself. Like, I, like, yeah. I, I, I read AP McCoy's book. AP McCoy was champion jockey in Britain for twenty years, probably the best jockey in the whole world, right? And I was reading his book, and he was writing in this twenty euro race up in market race, and if you like, the second last race of the day. And he got off and he made a balls of the race. Like, and all he wanted to do was go back and ride the horse again the following morning, another horse, and to go out and win a race. And I'm very, very like that. We do 100 and almost 180 today shows every year. And like, I will come home going, uh, probably I should have done this, I should have done that. And there are days now that nobody had even copped this, only in my own head. I'd have said, I made a balls of that. I made a pure balls of it, right? Really? Yeah. And there's only one thing I'll do. Won't sleep properly that night. This still happens. 22 years later on television. Won't be happy until I get back on TV the following day to prove myself again. Stop. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah, that's you feel the... Like, you feel like you've to, you're only as good as your last show. You're, I'm always as only as good as my last show. And the day that you're not, forget about it. Like, but that's why... But that's why you've been in it so long because if you <laughs> if you were someone who rested on your laurels and didn't think that way you wouldn't be in it yeah but d d there's that and um even if you take you right with your podcast like say there are loads of podcasts out there these days and there's a reason why yours work because you just weren't dropped in like you worked very very hard even for people who don't know you before 2fm 
Like say you, you've been there a long time before that. And it's the same thing when it comes to television. Like say, for example, it's, I think this is very, very simple, but it, it, it might mean a lot to people. The faster you become famous, if you want to use that word, or well-known, the faster you're going to drop off the cliff. Like, So does that slow gradual, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the slow. No, unless you do something really crazy. Do you know what I mean? But if, like say, the slower you go up and there's a natural curve. But these people who, like people who want to be famous, to be, to be on TV are on, on radio to be famous. What's, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. There's nothing behind it. Like that, that, that's just like, uh, that's the cliff, they're gone. Good luck. Like, whereas if you work very, very hard, uh, you, it, it, it becomes easier and you have to keep checking yourself as well as part of that. And like remembering that a pat in the back is six inches from a kick up the arse. And I think you won't go far wrong. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, like they think of you and they think of like fun, crack, happiness, light stuff right yeah. but i know that from talking to Dunico callahan he uh, told me recently enough as i was chatting to him about all that and the way people see him and he's the lad who was in the yeah. red knickers on the pitch <laughs> you know what i mean but he said that it used to annoy him when people would journalists would, come, would arrive at the irish camp right and he yeah. and paul o'connell would come out and they'd say well paul like what's what's the strategy for this weekend but Donica will come out and they go Donica what kind of messing have you been doing this week do you do you ever feel a little bit like oh it's it's all well and good to be like oh Donny O'Shea great crack but actually underneath all you're kind of like no hang on a second no I'm kind of quite happy with people saying that are you I am quite happy because you know what because I just think life can be too serious all around like for example um only very few people really need to know what I'm like. You know what I mean? Exactly. And one of them is one of them is my wife and uh, my young fella and mom and a few more. They they know what I'm like. No, like I'm I'm kind of like ninety percent of what people see, but the ten percent, like it's not you. You don't hold back anything. We just you just don't tap into it all the time because you just don't. Life isn't like that. So people are, geez, though, I was all cracking. I think it's I I I I like it. Like yeah, I say. I prefer someone to say, geez, though, you got all cracked there last night. Or as opposed to, geez, though, was very, very serious there about X, when you're going, ah, geez, but life's too short to be talking like that. Oh, <laughs> and, I love it. And again, you can set yourself up for that as well. You can sit there being all po-faced if you want. And yeah. people are quite happy to do that. And it, I, I, I can only control how I am myself. I can't tell anyone else how to be, if somebody wants to be the serious person. But like, you know, as much as I love Paul O'Connell, I, I, I think I'm more like done the whole yeah. <laughs> okay die the the person you always laugh with okay this is going to be totally twee and you're going to say oh my god this fella is an is an idiot or whatever right but he's a seven-year-old young fella called Michal Ogoshe oh. right for, for a few reasons right because there is a general level of happiness that I have around him first of all so he's kind of everyone else is at a disadvantage because I, he just elevates me but like say the question about who makes me laugh all the time, he makes me laugh all the time because he reminds me of me. Like Rita and I would tell him to go to bed and 40 seconds later, the head is around the corner, right? And I was the exact same way. And he reminds me of me and he has this face, this little face that, oh my God almighty, it was just, you, you can't say no to him. But what, I, what, what really makes me laugh about him is that he takes everything so literal, right? <laughs> so, Dad, can we go? Yeah, we'll go there tomorrow, no? What time? <laughs> we go there. I'm, I'm, I'm fobbing him off like, yeah, we go there at four o'clock and he'll come in at 10 past four the following day. Are we going? Where, where, where are we going? You said we were going tomorrow, right? Oh, but, but the ultimate, 
take everything literal came, uh, I think it was last year, where uh, my niece, Cleena, uh, is going out with a fella called Larry Swan, right? So having a name like that and having a son who takes everything literal, right? <laughs> well, we were at a family get together. So Cleena uh, was coming in with her boyfriend, Larry Swan, and just to see the disappointment in his face when his first cousin did not walk in with a swan. Stop. Right? Stop. Stop. Right? <laughs> right? And he was like, oh, my God. And he turned around out of the side of his mouth. I actually really thought this guy was a swan. <laughs> and it was, it was just the sincerity of it. <laughs> like we were asking for home. Why do you think Cleon would be going over to, or Cleon would be going over to Swan? I don't know. His name is Larry Swan. I thought he was a Swan. I said, I said, hang on a second. Why isn't he a Swan? <laughs> and you're cool. And you know, it's it's those moments, right? That you just can't write. That you just don't know what to expect. What'll come out of his mouth? That what'll come out of his mouth? And. Uh, but the actual genuine disappointment, oh my God, yeah. which means this guy isn't this one? I thought he was this one. Do you know the kind of under the bread conversation that you really kind of have to screwing something up here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he does that type of stuff all the time. And I remember yeah, even the day that Rita's brother got married in America. So I was, my, Michal, I went back to the, the hotel room at half nine. So uh, <laughs> we were in the room and so we were chatting away. So I turned off the light. Dead, where my hands gone? Get my hands. So I turned off the light, Michal. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so these, these moments of panic, like, but uh, you know, like I know they're the simplest things in the world, but I, they just make me so happy. Yeah. And and like I say, laughter is all about being laughter. Is, it has a few different elements to it, but the happy feeling that you have after that's what it is for me. So that's what that young guy uh, gives to me. Did you do much of the homeschooling over the past year or no? Yeah, I was doing I was doing the the Irish language stuff in the morning because it goes to girls' school, and then Rita did uh, probably ninety five percent of it as well. So um, yeah, like say again, Michal, he likes the kind of he liked the structure of it, so he was good at sitting down. Yeah, unlike his father or probably mother before him. <laughs> okay, Dahi, a time yeah. where you had the last laugh. The time I had the last laugh. All right, it goes back to my friend Adrian Begley again, and we were racing, so we were invited by Carlton House, right? before the Grand National to stay there. At that time, he was my plus one, okay? So we were down having a few pints, right? And we were sitting on a couch, the two of us, and there were two, say, I won't say elderly ladies, but they were older, they were in their 70s, right? And so we were drinking away. So one of them turned around to me and said, are you Dohi O'Shea? I said, I am. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. She said, no, you're not. I said, I'm telling you, I am. Well, I'm telling you, you're not. He's way better looking than you. <laughs> right? Right. So I, so I was there, my old bitch in my own head, right? <laughs> <laughs> the fella next to me creamed himself laughing, right? He almost fell out over the back of the coach, thinking it was the best response ever, right? He had half the parish told, right? He had half the parish told uh, the, the, the following morning. So anyway, so... I got laughed at fine. So I was chatting to this fella who was kind of drunk and he said to me, he said, my, my horse will the grandash tomorrow. I said, what? My horse will the grandash tomorrow. I said, what's your horse's name? He said, niche market. I said, geez, I'll never remember that. I'm after four or five, 17 pints. <laughs> he, 
he said number 13 and I'll never forget it turned out unlucky for someone he said but not for me so that was fine so I met about four other people when we got to the race course in Fairy House the following day and that told me that then horse would win the Grand National right I called my brother Danny in, in Dingle I called two other fellas saying look do, do what you want with it this fellas have to give me a horse called Niche Market it's 33 to 1 do what you want with it right yeah. horse wins the Grand National stop yeah I backed it on the tote, which was 55 to 1, right? Huh. The fellow who broke his behind laughing at me the night before didn't listen to me. <laughs> I had two wads of money, right? If I had a fourth pocket, it would have been full too, right? <laughs> he was sickened. He was absolutely sickened, right? Yeah. Never backed the horse. And I said, well, there you get though for laughing at me. But I was trying to call my brother then the following day. Easter Monday, I said, no way would he answer the phone. So I finally got him. I said, did you back the horse yesterday? F you, he said. I said, what do you mean? I gave you a 33 to one winner. So he had a few pints, but by the time he got down to the book, he couldn't remember the, couldn't remember the name of the <laughs> horse, never backed him. The fella that was with him was so drunk, he backed him twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Yeah. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> So how, there you have it. How much money did you win? I won a few bob, all right. Oh my god! Yeah, I won a good, I won a good few bob that day. Well, the lad, but but again, like I say, even though I had the last laugh, and he, he did, Adrian didn't back the horse. He he was so happy that I did. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and that's the type of guy he was. Like so, but yeah, great, great for all. But yeah, she's. I, I, I thought I, you were going to say you were, you met that woman again, and she was saying, "Oh, Dario Shay, did you win lots of money?" And you'd be like, "Ah, feck off." Believe me, I would. I drank. I drank so much champagne. I went looking for her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Brilliant. Okay. Dai O'Shea, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Ah, uh, chicken wings. <laughs> Buffalo chicken wings, right? Stop. Yeah, and, and now say Frank sauce, but it has to be when I'm hungover, right? Because uh, Rita, in all fairness to her, right, she, she knows I work very, very hard. So when I do get a chance to go to meet the lads, there's never any problem where you go. But there's no point as anyone who is married and has children who will be listening to this, there's no point to having the day to go drinking unless you have the following day to feel sorry for yourself. Okay. Absolutely. So in all fairness, there's only one thing on the menu when I'm sick and hungover, and that is big, dirty American Buffalo chicken wings. So there's two things that will take me out of that. Laughter is one of them. You took that off the table. So on the table, instead of laughter, we have buffalo chicken wings. That's a a brilliant answer. That's the first time chicken wings has been an answer. And I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, my God. I love them. I love them. Do you do you miss going out and meeting people and having the crack? Are you very much looking forward to it? Or have you kind of embraced the quieter side of life? No, um, Rita doesn't drink uh, and I don't drink at home. Okay. Uh, I never really drank at home, and uh, I I like going out. I I like uh, meeting local people. Uh, there's a pub around a mile up the road here called Yates's Lodge, and that's where I'll be when the, when it opens up again. Like I I go up, uh, play I play a game at twenty five on a Friday night with uh, other lads, you know, and like they don't care whether I'm on TV or fixing TVs, you know. They, yeah. they, you you're you're one of the locals, and they'll have a go at you like they will everyone else. So I like that. Uh, if yeah. I do go into Galway City, I'll go in at around 12 o'clock in the day and I'm at home by seven in the evening. Uh, it's easier. Uh, and 
yeah, I missed I miss going for a few pints, pints now. I do. I do miss going, I miss having the crack with the lads in the pub and so on and so forth. But again, I, I, I'd like to go out early. I'd like to go out at around eight o'clock, half ten, eleven o'clock is plenty for me. Are you like if you stayed in if you were on Shop Street at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, would you be absolutely and completely mobbed? Ah, uh, lots of people would be asking for photos and so on, but it's all good. Like, but I, I, I'd be, I wouldn't be there at nine o'clock. No, yeah. on. <laughs> out the gap. Seven or half seven uh, out, out the, out, out the road. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. No. How, how do you actually like your downtime? Like, how do you look at? Do, do you are you good for exercise and stuff? And how do you mind the head if you're stressed or whatever? Um. I, I, like say I like going out into the garden I like walking uh, I like hanging out Reed and Hall, just the three of us and uh, I like going back to see my brother and his kids and, and the gang back in Barna like to go uh, kind of stay close to home really like even with the Rose of Tralee and all the kind of madness that goes with that there's nothing nicer than coming up on the Wednesday after doing two good shows on Monday and Tuesday and seeing the gates close behind and was just in, us inside in the garden, and just taking it easy. That's that's it. Like say, I'd like say, I, I like I, I don't. I, I never kind of advise anyone to go drinking or whatever. But like say, the few pints at the weekend is always very very important. Like, I'm not talking about piss ups or anything like that. I'm talking about having a few handy pints and having some of the lads around you shooting the breeze. That is so important for lads and for girls. Same thing. And get and going two different ways. Going two different. There are two different outlets. And then, yeah, come together for a pass as well. But it's important to have the, 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 the separation there as well. And just to be talking pure shite. And like I said, you feel, you just feel good after it. And you wake up in the morning once you don't drink too much. And you say, geez, that was great. Oh, crack last night. Like one of the last nights I was always with Pat Short. Pat was on the show. And Pat called me and he said, do you want to go for dinner? I'm staying down. So I stayed down. Now, Pat and I went into four pubs and didn't go eating dinner at all. And I woke up the following morning and I couldn't string two sentences together. I was trying to explain, ah. I was trying to, explain to Rita. Two stories that Pat had explained to me. And we laughed so much during the whole night. And uh, I just woke up the following morning and had a lighter step. Oh, I know. Like, it, yeah. you, oh, they're the best kind of nights where, yes, you might be a trophy, <laughs> yeah. but you have no regrets. Not the, at all. The laughs were so good. Yeah, the laughs were great. And it, was pro- it wasn't long after that. Actually, the whole place shut down. Probably on two or three weeks after that, it shut down. Yeah, so. Okay. Are you ready for your quick fire round? Ice? Yeah, I am. Okay, Di O'Shea, the actor you always laugh at. Um, John Cryer. You will know him as Alan Harper on Two and a Half Men. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, they all look at Charlie Sheen. And Charlie, I suppose, really, the show revolves around him. But, like, for me, Alan Harper is the funny one there because he never has a bob. He's always kind of in the halfpenny place. and uh, But he still gets by. And I like that. I like that. <laughs> and uh, he always makes me laugh. And Rita and I, like, it's, I think it's kind of when Rita moved over here first as well over 10 years ago. We used to watch that all the time as well. So that, he, he's, a, he's a guy who always makes me laugh. Love it. Okay, the actress you always laugh at. Okay, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Again, you will know her as Elaine in, um, in Seinfeld. And she is also yeah. uh, Selena Meyer in Veep. Veep is one of my favourite sitcoms at the moment. Yeah, where do you she, watch it? It's on Veep is on is on Sky Atlantic, I think. But she's the vice president. Actually, these days she's the president. But like, it is re- she, she she she's a funny persona. She makes me laugh, and she kind of brings this air of funniness around her, kind of like herself in one sense, you know. And uh, I just think she's I just think she's she's probably one of my favorite uh, actresses of all time, funny or serious. Love it. Okay, the movie that makes you laugh out loud. This was a really really hard one to think of, like. But I think Borat. 
Oh. But like say, I was uh, the more I thought about it, because I was thinking of Naked Gun, which is an older uh, movie as well, probably made in the 90s, which was really, really funny. But when you look at Borat and the fact that like when he, when he comes downstairs with a bag of poo <laughs> and says, sorry, I have no place to put this. And he's inside in somebody else's house. Jeez, like the, like what, 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 for, like say that it being funny. But when you look at it, like having the the cojones to do that like in front of a camera and they think this is real i like when you put it when you put all the, the moving pieces together ah oh, it's a cracker so good so good okay the comedian that makes you laugh out loud um kevin bridges oh is, yeah yeah kevin bridges is probably my favorite of all time I, and for, for a few reasons i think it, i think it, he's a storyteller and he's a very very clever storyteller and what i what i like about it, he doesn't curse all the time he doesn't kind of fall back on the F and or whatever. It's just funny stuff. And he might have one F in the whole thing that's so well placed that it just takes the thing down. Uh, so Kevin Bridges is my favorite. That's a skill. And, and also yeah. not, not having to be crude, but still being funny is also a skill. I mean, I like the crude stuff as well. Yeah. Too much of it. No, no yeah, there is, but this guy is just funny. And he's kind of half laughing at himself as well. And like say, and like I remember he had a story one time about... Uh, it was kind of the the typical Glaswegian, and uh, where he was there, there was a poster up. He was a joiner, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was there with he was there with a picture of his of his kids. One of them called Destiny, named after the the nightclub uh, she was conceived in, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then here's here's her brother Garage, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but he he leads you on, he leads you down a road, and then he he'll bring you right back to the start again. You're yes. going, geez, that was very clever. That's so clever. he's he's my favorite, yeah. Okay, and finally, <clears throat> Di O'Shea, your best or worst joke. Well, I leave the best or worst part up to you, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway, right? There was there was this couple in West Kerry called Seamus and Annie Devaney, right? And they were out in Turkey on holidays, right? So Seamus went walking one time anyway. So Annie was looking for him. So she could, she, he went missing for around four or five hours and Annie went looking for him. So she was in inside and did all the Irish bars first, couldn't find him inside there. Went into a few supermarkets, rest of no good. So eventually she went into um, a Turkish barber, right? right? So she went in and there was a fellow walking away inside. She said, excuse me, she said, I'm looking for Seamus Devaney. And he said... In here we shave the head. In here we shave the face, but we do not shave the fanny. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is gold. <laughs> I fully thought that was real. You thought it was a couple from West Kerry of Becker. Oh my God. Dai O'Shea, this has been such a lovely um, way to spend a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Thank you so, so much for sharing the, the laughs. With Baron, you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And you know what? It just gave me uh, an, a good opportunity to go back and just think about all, all the laughs I've had and think of people who aren't here anymore, unfortunately, but who really made me laugh at the time. And I, I'm still laughing inside thinking back at them. Oh, Dai, thank you so much. Thanks, Darren. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Dahi O'Shea. I hope you enjoyed it. Lots of great episodes to come this season. I know I always say it, but I mean it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review and all those other things. And while you're waiting for next week's episode, why not head over to RTE Player and watch the new season of The Theron Project. It is there now for you to binge on. All of it. All of the different episodes. Okay, shameless plug is done. This podcast is recorded with Collaborative Studios and is brought to you by Aussie Hair great hair no worries